Welcome to the ENA Podcast. Welcome to the new year of 2020 and the first ENA Podcast of the 50th year of ENA. It's a special day for ENA as we start uh, what is going to be a year-long celebration uh, through uh, ENA Connection, through our social media, um, at our events, and obviously through the ENA podcast. And we have a special guest today to help us kick off the 50th anniversary year of ENA. We have ENA past president and current historian Joanne Fidali with us today. So happy new year to you, Joanne, uh, as a piece of ENA history, but also as the historian uh, this is going to be an exciting year for you, I would imagine. Oh, it certainly is, Dan. Um, I can't believe that I'm still alive after the 50 years and has been here for 50 years. So, you know, in our halls now here at ENA headquarters, we have our past president's wall. And I walked by there and saw 1990. And the first thing that jumped out at me is that 1990, your president, year as president, was 30 years ago now. And that was 20 years into ENA's history. Talk a little bit about what it means to you to have represented and led this organization, but now have been able, being able to see it all in the context of how much growth has happened and really what an amazing place this has become. Where do you start? It, it's been an unbelievable ride. Even though 1990 was 30 years ago, I feel like it was just yesterday. Coming to Chicago, because that is where our headquarters was at that time, you know, starting with a new executive director, because that happened in, in that year also, um, and then just watching what has happened over the, the following 30, 30 years. The first 20 years, we just grew like a little bush into a huge tree. Now we're into a whole forest. <laughs> it, it, we have so many members with so much expertise, so much staff that we need to support our 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 vision. I, you know, I have no idea what Judy and Anita were thinking or Millie and Anna May, because I don't think they ever thought that we'd be standing on our own with all with the world recognition. Right. The uh, one of the things that we we've talked about, you know, in the the short time that I've you know been honored to to get to know you is you still have a connection back to our founders. You, you know, uh, worked in an ED where, you know, this, this important person in our history became such an important person in your personal history, in your career. How meaningful is it for you to still have that linkage back and to be able to tell the stories that bring us back to the roots of, of where we are today? It's something that brings tears to my eyes. Every time I talk about her, you know, she's been dead for 48 years and I still honor that lady. And that's an either door. Um, and whatever she saw in me, I had no idea because I know she pushed me into leadership. Um, but she was just a, a phenomenal woman. She had background in the military, and that's how she ran the ED. That's how we respected her because you respected people in the military and respected that type of atmosphere. But to be the only person I know of right now that's ever worked with her that is a member of the association still living that's a special privilege. She had visions. Um, she wanted us to learn. And at that time, the only way we could learn was from the physicians. And that's where she went to get us education. 
I think she's doing cartwheels now just knowing that we are developing and producing and putting out our own education and we don't have to rely on the physicians anymore to do that. Although they were extremely important in our history and in our beginning because our original our board originally had three advisors who were physicians at the time okay. back there in 1970, 71 and 72, um, because that's all we knew. Yeah. They were fledgling too because they were not um, a recognized specialty either, the emergency physicians. So, uh, to, to be able to, well, let's put it this way. She was not only my boss, she was my neighbor. Okay. She only lived two blocks away from where <laughs> I was when, before I got married. And so, go on, you know, every time you go by the house, even after she passed away, it's like, oh, she lived there, you know, and, and it just warms your heart and tickles your heart. In fact, last year when we were doing, when Jeff was doing all those lantern things, I took the lantern and put it in her driveway when the people weren't <laughs> home so that we could get a picture of the lantern in her original driveway. <laughs> So the connection is always going to be there, and you know the, the importance of everything that Anita and Judy both meant. So let's turn it around a little bit, and onto your perspective as well. So knowing what she was about, and knowing how they wanted to really get, the, you know, what they intended to start with, and how it's progressed over the years. You know, what was it? You know, let's put it in this way: What was it like to be president in 1990? You know, as knowing that this was still a fairly young organization at that point, but still, but had already made some gains by in those first twenty years. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, when Steve Lieber, who was the executive director right then, he was brand new. We were new together, starting January first that year, and he never ever allowed me to think as the president that we could not accomplish something. He pushed and pushed and brought all of his expertise from his past um, to us and just made us forge forward. You know, the ideas of the foundation came up that year and a lot of other things that happened in, in the future. You know, TNCC, ENPs, all those things. We start talking back in the early 90s about those things to get them sure. started and produced. Um, so all I can think of is that we thought we were great we are greater and greatest now. <laughs> I don't even know where we're going to go for our next 50 years because, well, our practice changes. Yeah. Emergency nursing on a whole, we need to new, uh, learn a new medication every six months. Something is changing. Something's new on the farm point. So I don't ever see our practice not needing the education, and that's what we're really all about. And really gr the growth and the expansion, you know, we're 50 states, we're international, we have all of these opportunities to touch nurses in the way that it's going to benefit their careers through the education, through advocacy, through the foundation. Um, what, what warms your heart the most? The ability to really speak strongly the way we do as advocates for emergency nurses, the ability to give them the latest and the, and the greatest in terms of education, or the foundation's work, which is reinvesting in professional nurses in this specialty. I mean, it's sort of like picking your favorite child in some ways, I would imagine. I don't know that I have a favorite. Um, it warms my heart that we can raise so much money 
to give back to members, to be educated, and not just, it used to be just so that I could go to a national conference. You, you know, you used to get a couple hundred dollars, and you thought that was grand. <laughs> now when you can get several thousand dollars to go finish your doctorate, who would have ever thought that that would be just within our organization, that we didn't have to rely on everybody else to get that money for us. Yes, we, we have a lot of contributors, yeah. but that takes a lot of marketing skill on our part too to be able to get those those foundation funds you know to move forward and, and as far as our own education i think we have some of the best leaders in the country running our emergency departments and working at the stretcher side taking care of those patients although it it saddens me when i think more and more that nurses are doing more paperwork than they are doing patient care I don't know that nurse, good old Florence, would have ever thought that her job was just only paperwork. You know, I, I really think that patient care comes. But that comes in different ways. If we didn't have people to educate the nurses, we wouldn't be able to do it. Sure. And it, it, there's, a, there's a little bit of, of um, I don't want to say heaven for everybody, but it, it, there's a little bit that everybody is needed. Right. We, don't, we can't all be at the bedside. We can't all be teachers. We can't all be on the helicopters. We have to do a little bit of everything in our practice now. And, you know, while diversity is always going to be an important thing in a variety of different ways, the diversity of roles that emergency nurses play now is probably something else that's evolved tremendously over the years. You know, it's no longer a subordinate role. It is a leading character in every circumstance, from the classroom to the stretcher side, you know, into the leadership realm. And obviously, we have nurses in our building who are very key in building the next thing that we need in terms of education or the technology that's going to benefit. So, I mean, there's so many different pieces that have evolved over time. So you get to use that perspective as our historian to provide a lens to those of us who, you know, I've been with ENA for a little over two years, and there's a lot of people who have been here many years, but there's a lot of us that are relatively new. And we learn a lot from the perspectives that you can bring to us. Um, what 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 kind of honor is it for you to be able to shepherd our history at this point? Huh. I I don't know. Is I <laughs> I just think it's part of what I have to do and what it, part of being me. I, I think that when I was chosen, because it was part of we were part of a committee that that thought about this for many years, trying to get because we realized that our history was going to go away. It had not been documented in any really good fashion. Um, and so when I became the, the historian person, I, I thought it was only going to be one or two years, and then I would be done. <laughs> and then when everybody realized that it, it, it's a lot of things that we have to do, it has been an absolute labor of love writing our timeline, looking at 50 years of all of our publications, I'm in the process now of going back and validating that information with all the minutes of meetings. Wow. Do you know how many meetings that is <laughs> since 1970? And then we're going to do something for the for um, the Gen next year. The Gen is going to have six articles that had been printed at some time in our history. Well, three of us were reviewing 6,000 articles <laughs> to pick out six for the next year and I, I and I'm not going to tell because we don't that'll be a surprise yeah. when they come out but to find the, the first one will be very enlightening it is very much from the historical perspective 
and and actually it was in our very first gen. Okay. So I'm looking forward to the membership on a whole, as well as all the other people who read our journal to learn about what we really started from. Started from nothing, in a basement, in Anita Doors house, you know, in, in Judy, in her, in her house, you know, putting everything together. Who would have ever thought? I mean, you come here. Um, I brought guests in the summertime because we were passing through Chicago to see the, the offices. They always wondered, why do I go to Chicago? Why do I want to be doing Why am I playing on the computer? Why am I reading all these things? Well, when they got to this building and I showed them the apartments and they met the people and saw the things on the walls that are here in this new building and just the size of it, they totally understood then. Yeah. They thought, oh, how could you ever give it up? And I said, I probably won't, not until the day I die, you know, because it's... It's who I am. Sure. Has been for 50 years. Well, it will be in January, 50 years. And you talked about the building itself. And, you know, obviously, if you've been here as a member, you know, you've seen just the dynamicness of the building in terms of its layout and how it pays tribute in so many different ways to our past because of how that inspires our future. But we have our historical timeline. We have our president wall. We have the founders on the wall. Um, we have na rooms named for our founders. Um, when you walk and you see those things, I mean, those who are here every day, you know, it's part of our parlance and, you know, like anything else, it's kind of there. But when you're here once or twice a year and you see it, does it give you pause for a second and, and go, wow, you know, it, it seems like it still strikes you every time you see it. Oh, it does. I mean, we're sitting in the Judith Callahan room right now doing this podcast and Judy's here somewhere. She, you know she's listening and making sure I'm telling you the right things. And then when we when I work over in Anita's conference room, it's like, okay, be on your best behavior because that's what she would expect you to do. Um, it, just thinking. Because I obviously, I wasn't all that involved in 1970 because I just graduated a nursing school. But I was in Anita's basement, and I have lick stamps. Um Coming here, even when we went moved to Chicago when I was president, we had probably the, the office the size of one quarter of one corner of this building. <laughs> and I think we only had a staff of 12 or 15 individuals just to know that we need a staff of 100 to do the things that we're doing. I, I can't think that that Judy and Nita and Anna Mae and all those people that are for our founders wouldn't be absolutely delighted to know that we're forging forward. And we're just, we're just touching base. I mean, we have so much further to go in the future. Well, that's a good segue because I'm going to ask you the hard question, which, you know, makes you need to bring out your crystal ball. And, you know, if you were to, to look, well, let's not go 50 years, we'll say 25 years down the road, you know, what... What could you imagine ENA is capable of doing based off of everything you know about our history and how, you know, you talk about going from great to greater to greatest. What could you see in 25 years that would continue that, that evolution? Is it about just the education? Is it about the growth in membership? Is it just about the, the position that we have in the healthcare world? Well, I think when I think about education, I think in 25 years, we won't even have books. We won't have pencils. We won't have paper that we're relying on. It'll be all electronic for us. 
I mean, only to hope that all that stuff could zoom into your brain. You could write <laughs> boards and, and be the be a certified emergency nurse without having to do all that. Be me in, Scotty. I would, I would think that that would be great. Um, I don't know. And in 25 years, will we need as much building as we have because we will be so far in advanced electronically? I know. I I think that we're always going to need something to touch. Because I think that's part of what nursing is. Nursing is caring. And touch is one of the most powerful ways to let people know that we care. So I think that we'll always need that. Um, whether are the associations going to grow into 100, 200,000, I don't know. Because as you see now in this day and age, people don't feel the need to join organizations. However, as history is seen, we went from huge families to separated families, and now what I see is people are coming back together as families. So I think you go through an evolution, and I think the association may do the same thing. Okay. You know, we may have that waveform going along that we may dip a little up, and then maybe. But I always think that, and I will always think that now that we've established ourselves, it meets with the premier emergency nursing association we're the premier resource people come to us for the information so we have to maintain that high standard Definitely. and I, I see that in the future in whatever that looks like and however we educate so uh, so I'm going to give you for the last word here I'm going to give you the opportunity to speak to the people who will be a part of ENA in for all the years to come so when they're looking back in the archives and 25 years from now or 50 years from now about all the things that ENA has done in the past, send a message to the future about what ENA is here in 2020 for them to know down the road. What is one thing that as the historian you want to make sure that 50 years from now or 25 years from now they know is what, what ENA is about today so that they don't forget that in the future? History is extremely important. I never thought so in the beginning, and I don't think we do when we're younger. And as we age, then we start thinking, where did our past come from? And I only think that you, your future is as good as your past. What you make it, where, what you want out of it, 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 you create your own future. So I think we are going to create our own ENA in the future. But don't forget the roots. The roots may be very simple. And rudimentary. I mean, who would have thought that we wouldn't be cleaning our own thermometers that I used to do or grind our own needles on syringes? Who would have thought that you have totally disposables? And maybe in the future you'll be doing medications without even injecting people. It'll be laser-like to your body. Who knows? But keep that past in your forefront because you didn't get there by yourself. Sure. You had people that came before you and laid your foundation. And now you have the opportunity to lay the foundation for the future. So you always have to think that what you're doing in life, if you're leaving a legacy, make it a good one. Joanne Fidali, it's always special to talk to you and to hear about everything that has preceded so many of us that are a part of this organization now. But what, what I heard in all that that you just said was about appreciation for how we got to where we are, whether we're brand new, whether we've got a history, whether we're 
an ED nurse or whether we're somebody who is just here to support ED nurses, uh, we can all play a role in that appreciation. So I wish you a happy ENA 50th anniversary. And we look forward to, to seeing you throughout the year as we celebrate in so many different ways. So I'm, I'm sure that you're excited to see all the different ways that we're going to celebrate as well. Oh, I absolutely am. And being part of the 50th anniversary steering committee, I've had a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> but it, And it has been. It's been wonderful. And I hope that the members and everybody that attends and all our functions throughout the whole year and reads, reads our things, read the podcast, read the even Facebook. I mean, we've developed something that's going to be new. We're going to have a throwback Thursday every that's week. Right. So something that happened in the past is coming out. And it may have been 50 years ago. It may have only been two weeks ago. So you'll never know. That's right. So Joanne, thank you so much for joining us on the ENA podcast. Probably another thing that nobody would have envisioned uh, 20, 30, 40, and certainly not 50 years ago that you'd have this opportunity to speak to so many people about everything. So we appreciate you being a part of the podcast today. Thank you very much. So that'll do it for this episode of the ENA podcast. And it truly was a special one as we kick off the 50th anniversary year of ENA and had the opportunity to talk with ENA historian Joanne Fidali. I want to offer a quick special thanks to the ENA podcast team, Rashonda Legault, Julie Rosberger, and Tommy Barbie, who are responsible for the content and also the, the back end, the technical side of getting the ENA podcast out to all the listeners who have joined us over the last year. So as we celebrate ENA's 50th year, we're happy to be celebrating the podcast's first year right here this month in January. Until next time, this is Dan Campana, and we look forward to you joining us throughout the year on the ENA podcast.